0: You're tuned in to Positively Terrible. I'm producer Dan, and each week my buddy Scott and I discuss surviving and thriving after trauma. It's a journey that started when Scott, his wife's fiance, and her boyfriend walked into a bar. This week's decent human being is Patrice. She's got a fucked up story about finding her purpose through grief. Settle in, my terrible listeners. Today's episode's going to be Positively Terrible. Positively Terrible. Hey, Scott. Hey, Dan. How are you doing today? Man, I'm doing pretty good. It's been a long weekend, and I'm happy to be here with you. How are you today?
1: Uh, you know, uh, I'm doing all right. I am still on the upward trend from the long COVID that the listeners are probably sick and tired of hearing me complain about over the last couple of months, but I am heading in the right direction. It's been an interesting weekend. Yesterday, Dan, I was coaching the eight-year-olds, coaching some baseball yeah and my team scored nine runs in the last inning it was pretty cool and then we gave up 10 runs in the last inning and lost (laughs) going into the last inning it was like four to four and then the game ends up being 14 to 13 and uh the kids were pretty disappointed but that is life sometimes you have to roll with the punches and as our guest said uh, already to me when you were out of the room. Patrice is here and she said, wh- when we were having technical difficulties, she was like, Well, that's what the show is about, right? Life doesn't always go the way you plan. And <laughs> it definitely does not. And, but we are here. We are recording. I am looking at myself from my phone instead of my computer. And I can see that I need a haircut and a beard trim. So, Patrice, I'm sorry you've got to look at my face, Uh, but that's all right. Thank you for coming today, Patrice. Can you tell? Yes, welcome, welcome. Yeah, yeah, welcome. And can you tell our terrible listeners uh, what you're here to talk about today? Just give us a little teaser.
2: Okay, so first of all, thank you for inviting me. I am so excited Mm. to talk to you guys today. Um, But yeah, so I'm just here to talk about how I have confidently found my purpose through um, grief of losing two of my favorite people. Well, by everything, as I I say. (laughs) Um, So I'm just here to let people know that, you know, even though I went through this What I feel like is a horrible experience, uh, I came through it on the other side, and I knew that even though it was horrible, it still brought me some peace.
1: Without a doubt, and thank you for sharing, coming in and sharing. Everyone thanks us for the invite. I am so honored that people want to come and tell their stories, and not just share them with us, but also do a little good in the world, hopefully. So it's you we have to thank for coming on today. Indeed. Patrice, you told me a little bit about your stories, and I'd love for you to just kind of tell a little bit. You, you said you lost two important people to you. Uh, who were those people?
2: Well, um, first was my first best friend ever, and that was my grandmother. Um, I did lose her. She was 80 in her 80s. Um, so mm-hmm. and she had been, you know, off and on in the hospital quite often. So when she passed away, of course, it was just this bad situation horrible uh it took me it changed my life um but you know i had time to truly kind of like grieve her while she was passing away and things and so i kind of and i had a really good support system at the time um so you know i got through that but in that time though before she had passed away i had a whole year to just hang out with her and just spend time with her um i had got laid off from a job and i just said you know what let me just take a year off. I was financially able to do it. Um, oh, wow. so I, I did it, you know, and I'm so glad I did because, um, one, I was able to submit some more memories with her, but then also because I was off, my friends were like, well, you're at home. Can you help us with this? Or you're good with business. Can you help us with that? And I was able to create and do those things. And then eventually that came up to um, starting a virtual assistant company. Um, but then um, my second favorite person was my actually my mother. Um, my mother um, going into the hospital, that was surprisingly surprising. Um, and I actually was living inside of the Cleveland Clinic Hospital while my mother, because she would come in and out and I always wanted to be there when she did come, when she was conscious and she needed to talk or whatever. So I was basically living there. And between living there, I also had to uh, go to uh, the nursing home when I would leave the hospital to go make sure that her, my stepfather, her husband, um, was, was okay because he was actually recovering from having one of his legs amputated due to diabetes. Um, so, um, I was tired, you know, I would literally (laughs) sleep in the hospital, go home and try to actually lay in my bed for an hour to wash clothes Mm -hmm. and take a real good shower or bath. And, um, and then I would have to go to him, make sure he had everything he needed and then go back to the hospital. So I did that for two months and it was very, um, it was traumatic. It caused me to have like sure. an PTSD and really bad anxiety.
1: I, I can't imagine. And I'm also curious, the the stepfather and your mom were were going on at the same time. How long before your mother passed did your grandmother pass?
2: Well, it was actually probably about... Seven years between the time, okay. um, but, um, it was like say seven seven years between the time. So, but it was like I was actually, um, you know, coming out of the fog from that and getting back to normal mm-hmm. and you know just going back I went back to school and you know just working on my weight and all of those things. And then, mm-hmm. boom, that happened. You know, <laughs> and then I had to kind of like start that process over again.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, seven years really isn't that long. Yeah, when you're. Going from the death of your grandmother to the death of your mother.
1: Yeah, and that, I think, like, yeah, I agree. <laughs> and it's a bit of a catch-22. It's like, well, you don't want everything, all of the trauma in your face to happen at one time. But when it's spaced out, it's like a roller coaster of, you know, you go, you hit the deepest depths, you come up, and oh shit, it's happening again. Exactly. And I'm so sorry you went through that. I can't imagine. I would like. I'm, I'm interested in hearing. You said your grandmother was your best friend, and yeah. <laughs> do you have any special memories or stories of your grandma that that would really tell us who she was and what your relationship was like?
2: Okay, like so.
1: Okay, so one
2: of the things that I have learned, I took a course called grief recovery, and um, they tell you not to. They don't want you to saint people and they don't want you to demonize them you just keep uh, them in the middle and so one, she was close to a saint i know that she wasn't perfect but to me she kind of was you know uh, my grandmother was um she took care of foster children um wow. for over 30 years um um, yeah, my mom. My mom. God, and my she's uncle actually, she's
0: got my vote for sainthood. <laughs> I was <laughs> yes, gonna she, say yes, you did, can keep yes. her in the middle. I'm putting her up top. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she did. I mean, I, and
2: uh, you know, it's, my, because my mom and my uncle are actually adopted, so it was all started with them. Oh, wow. Yeah, and so um, it's them, and then I have like uh, she's had other foster kids from in there, and then when she got older, she actually adopted my little sister. Um, well, I call her my little sister. She's actually my aunt, but you know that's. You know, another story. Okay, sure. <laughs> but but yeah, so she did that. And then, I mean, she did things like, OK, so they were from North Carolina. And then, you know, how like a lot of like African-Americans transition from the south to the north for a better experience. And so mm-hmm. she opened up her house to all of her family and friends who wanted to come up and see if it would work for them. Um, she did that. She taught people how to read. Um, she taught people how to drive. And when she passed away at her funeral, I was so I knew she did these things because I was her. Like I said, I was her. They, she called me her shadow. Everywhere she went, I went. <laughs> so, but I heard people say like, "Oh my gosh, Miss um, uh, uh, Jackson." Which she passed away. So, but Miss Jackson, she um, she was in the hospital with me for. Um, when I was in the hospital, she never left my side. She was there. She came to see me every single day. Or, you know, when I was hungry, she, you know, made sure I ate. Like, there was so many different stories that I did not even know about that she did. And so that's why I say I sanctify her because she's really my role model that when I check myself against, like, am I being a decent fucking human
1: and you know <laughs> doing what I'm supposed
2: to do, you know? And that's who's that's my measuring stick. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that sounds like quite a measuring stick and one that has to be awfully hard to live up to. It sounds like she was a, a wonderful woman. Did you ever talk to her about this and, and ask her why? No. I didn't, you know
2: what? And I, I never sat down and asked her those things. I mean, I have memories of laying on the bottom of her bed while she's looking at the newspaper, drinking a cup of coffee, and we're watching Matlock or uh, uh, 18 or any of those MacGyver. <laughs> those are things I remember, but she I also never...
0: <laughs> had impeccable taste in television. <laughs> yeah, I still watch Matlock like least once a year. I've been
2: watching it, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. I never asked her those things. I. I I don't. I don't think I noticed it. You know, that's one of the things. You, yeah. You never know who somebody really is sometimes until after they they leave you and they're no longer in your life. And that could be good or bad. But you know. Sure. You know. So I I kind of regret that, but I'm glad that I was at least able to see her see her through other people's eyes as well.
1: Yeah, and I don't think it, you need to ask, and you don't need to know. You just need to know that she was an amazing human being. Yeah. And I would say though that. The, the takeaway for me, though, is to ask some of those questions. Like I said, you don't need to, but your time is limited. And yeah. a lot of times things just are, you know, yeah. you grow up and grandma's like this or mom's like this, and it's just normal. It's just who they are. And it's OK not to ask, but it's also pretty cool if you have that chance and, and get that answer
2: mm-hmm. yeah but you you learn now to do that with the people that are still here you know for sure yeah, for exactly. sure
1: and then you said you you lost your job and got to spend a year with her was she healthy during that time or, or was she in, in decline already when you were spending time with her
2: you know, it's really a funny experience because she always was kind of like in the hospital. When my mother had me, she was already um, in her late 50s. Um, so she actually had got hurt on her job. She worked at a hospital where I was actually born, where somebody took one of like the laundry carts and accidentally pushed it into her back. So she had back issues. And then one time they were laying tar on the um, ceiling and it was so much it made her cough so bad that it busted veins it in her heart. So, oh, wow. she had already had like you know things that would Peter put her in the hospital for like a maybe a week or two. uh so that's how it was my whole life like but not like a chronic illness, but just things that would lead her to the hospital but um in that year, she wasn't no more than like she really was, but right when I was um going was ready to go back for work she i had was looking to work at a nursing home, and you have to learn this part of like the dying experience. And it was so weird because we were in class and we were learning this and I just randomly bust out crying. Like I had to leave the class because I just couldn't stop crying. And so I was like, I don't know why this is so important to me. And so I think that was just the universe or God or whoever, you know, was just preparing me for what was about to happen. And so next thing you know, she went to the hospital and she just never left the hospital, you know? So...
1: Well, armed with some of that knowledge then, were you witnessing and identifying that, oh, this is approaching death?
2: Yeah, I think I was subconsciously doing that. I don't Mm -hmm. think I really realized it, but it was like, I don't know, just, I was like, I think subconsciously I was learning, knowing that, okay, she's, getting to the end of her life and you know i was thankful that i had that year but i did cling closer to her um a little bit more
1: this community that she had built i'm going to call it a community Mm -hmm. because it sounds like there were a lot of people she helped Mm
0: -hmm.
1: are there a lot of relationships in I, i mean do you have you met these people do you know these people or are there some who you've never seen before and maybe showed up at the funeral and you're like, who's that?
2: <laughs> um, Well, for the most, you know, most of the people I did know, because like I said, I was her shadow from the day <laughs> I right, was right. born. So um, I knew of these people. Um, and like you said, it really was a community. Um because a lot of the people were people that we had uh, went to church with. And then mm-hmm. actually she was a pastor's wife. My grandfather, they actually built their church with the two hands. Um, and so, oh, wow. you know, that was just that community. And then the next, when they, you know, cause they did, you know, part and, um, you know, she went to another church and that was that community and it was family and friends, you know, like I said, it was, I think it was a little bit different than, you know, people, you know, when they were friends, they were truly friends. They would come over for coffee and coffee and cake, and you your family just knew them. They were aunties and uncles and cousins, you know. Yeah. So they weren't your the real family, but they were like those people. So yeah. okay, yeah, I knew. I was them.
1: gonna <laughs> ask you if that's what you meant. If yeah, you meant like that, there it, it was the fil- the family you built. Um, yeah, exactly. Man, yep. I I i will say that i would love to have met your grandma she sounds like an amazing person and (laughs) i can't imagine how hard it is to lose someone um with with that close of a relationship i luckily have not had to experience quite that yet in my life i know it's coming i actually just bought a book called grief ally i'm gonna plug it again (laughs) it it was it was a guest from a week or two ago Uh who had lost her husband and Quickly realized that other people did not know how to support someone in their times of need. That's and, true. Well, they, she said a couple of things happened lots of food, you know, some meatloafs or whatever. <laughs> For a month. <laughs> and, yeah. And <laughs> more than she needed or cared to see. And there were other people who just didn't show up that were uncomfortable with death okay. and just didn't show up, didn't weren't able to help, and those relationships ended. And it looks like you're nodding a little bit, you might know something about that.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I truly do understand that experience. One of the things that, because I had a friend who lost her husband, um, uh, she was a what I uh, maybe like what an uh, early widow, and I remember telling her, and I tell a lot of people this is this grief is very selfish, and you have to be okay with it being selfish, right? Cause, or, uh, because, or because. It's going to be times you don't want to talk to people, right? And you just like, I just cannot emotionally deal with this today. And I don't care. It doesn't have anything to do with death. It could be, maybe you lost your favorite pencil. <laughs> it's still grief, right? <laughs> like, you, still, you still deserve the same respect. I love and that. I, you know, and I think that sometimes people think they take it personal, you know, and uh, and it's not this person. Like, I'm just bear like, I, it's, it's hard for me to even get out the bed to make, get a cup of water just so I don't, die in this bed because I can't take it anymore. And um, I think people take it personal and it's not personal at all. It's just, this is what I need to do to just get through the day,
1: just to cope, you know? Yeah. I hate that you have this expertise. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad you're sharing it, but I hate that you have it. So after your grandmother dies, of course, you're grieving and Tell me a little bit about the seven years in between, kind of the trajectory of your life. We're, I'm sure it took a while to get maybe back on track, or maybe it didn't. I'm, not, I'm, I'm really not sure. So can you tell us just a little bit about those seven years in between?
2: Well, okay. So I was easier, a little bit easier for me to get back on track, because like I said, I did take grief recovery and it was, that's another thing that kind mm-hmm. of prepared me for. I actually graduated from grief recovery the same day my grandmother passed away. My grandmother passed oh, well. away and I actually still went to class because I just felt like I needed to go that day. Um, so I think because I had that community, I had that, uh, class and all of that. It took, a, and I knew she, she had lived a life, a purpose for life. Right. So, um, And I knew she was going. And so I think that I was able to kind of like get back on track. You know, it was, I wanted to be there for my sister because my sister was only like 18 years old. She had just graduated from high school. And she honestly, in her mind, thought that she was going to be living with my grandmother forever. Um, But long story short, (laughs) but I was able to kind of get back on track and get through it. But it still took me some some time. And then I actually moved away. I needed to move not actually out of the state, but I did move on the other side of town. And that helped me grieve and kind of get back to myself. But then when my mom and my dad got sick, um, I moved back to this side of town and that's when everything <laughs> fell back
1: apart. Yeah. So your mom was she had she been sick before she ended up in the hospital? What she what did. was going on with her?
2: Okay, so um, you know, just putting it out there, and most people do know, but my mother did die from liver disease. Um okay. and so she did have some uh, issues from that at first, and so, you know, she kind of, like, made some changes in her life and got better, but then you have to take certain med- medicines for that, but then when my dad got sick and he got his leg amputated, she was taking care of him, so she, and then one of the medicines really kind of, like, have her, like, just down right so she couldn't take that medicine because she wanted to be there for my dad and because she didn't do that the bacterias and the, uh, well, everything that happens kind of like built up in her body and made her sick again and that's oh, wow. going to happen again
1: so oh, wow yeah. one of the things that i see over and over when we record and was true to my life is too often putting other people before ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I can't imagine having to care for someone who's going through the life-changing leg amputation. How do you not put him first when you're in mm-hmm. her shoes? hmm
2: Yeah, that's true. And and so that's it, who she was. You know, she yeah. was like domestic wife, and you know that was who she wanted to be, and
1: that just you know choices. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and do you think she knew that she was putting herself in danger and preferred to make sure that he was doing okay or do you think she just didn't realize how dangerous that was
2: i think it was she didn't know how dangerous it really was you know sometimes people push the boundaries and um and i i'm you know i've done it myself where you're supposed to be taking certain medicines but you get into like a mental thing and you don't do what you're supposed to do for yourself and you don't really realize that this is damaging to you, right? And I yeah. think she didn't see it because I remember one time we were on the phone and me and my mom were like so cool that like we would get to the point where we would say like, alright, well, I'm tired of talking to you now, so let's get off the phone, you know, when you get that lull in the conversation. And yeah. so she, and we were okay with that. We never we were offended. And so she would get on the, the phone and she would you, I would be on the phone with her and you would feel like, I could hear it feel like she was falling asleep. And I'm like, hello, woman, if you want to get off the phone, just tell me. Get off the phone. And she was like, ha-ha, uh-huh. like if she would wake up. And i was like, okay, so that's really weird. And then, um, so she was doing that. And then one day I was spending night at her house to help her out. And I remember, like, getting up in the middle of the night and I was, like, crying. And I was like, you got to move from here. This place is not right or something. It was like, it was just like I had this really bad feeling. And she was like, oh, okay, okay. And, um. I think she knew but didn't know. Like I didn't think she think it was that serious. I guess, I don't know. But, you know, that's what happened. And she was in the hospital. She never left. You know.
1: (laughs) How how did she get to the hospital? Did you convince her to go with you, or was there not ambulance needed? Or. Um, Oh my.
2: Well, I actually, um, I did convince her to go to the hot, to the doctor. and She went to the doctor. Okay. They did some blood work, and she went and she came back home. And then the doctor called her back, she, and he told her, like, hey, your potassium levels are too low. Go to the emergency room right now. And she did. Okay. And she was in the emergency room right then and there, and that's where she, you know, didn't
1: leave. Okay. Yeah. So she was admitted, and did she realize that she had... A bit of a stay in front of her or did she think do you know did she think if it was going to be a couple of days or hours or what i think she thought it was
2: just going to be a couple of days maybe a week or so because this Mm -hmm. had happened before and she went to the hospital they you know kept her they got her levels back good and she came back home and that was it and at this time i think she thought that was what it was going to be but the way the disease well the disease or the way it affects you is that it really messed with her mind like she was like delusional and hallucinating and because so much bacteria had was getting to it wasn't leaving her body so it was on her brain and um i think that whole time she um just didn't know where who she was really and where she was most of the time and i couldn't make that decision you know how like sometimes as as a caregiver you have to make the decision of like their medical decision and i did that for my grandmother and actually my grandmother i was actually uh signing the dnr the same day she passed away but for my mom i just could not sign it i'm like i can't do that again i did that with her i can't do that and my dad wasn't in a place where he could do it either so you know and because she was so young we kind of i kind of i don't regret it but we kind of like let them do like a lot of different procedures because we thought that it was gonna help but it just didn't and she couldn't make that decision for herself she mentally she wasn't there well
0: you didn't know better right you,
1: yeah, I did what
2: I could. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Give I, her every opportunity.
2: Yeah. Exactly. Sounds like you did. Yeah. I, and I don't think
1: that's the.
0: Oh, go, go ahead. ahead.
2: No, go ahead. I'm saying what
1: are you saying. I was going to say, I don't think that's the worst thing in the world, right? You said you don't regret it. And I'm glad you don't because mm-hmm. it's, it's hope can be a terrible thing, but it can also be a good thing. And the regret of not trying w- is something that you'd probably still think about today had you not taken those measures
2: yeah and the thing was I, I had a friend who's a nurse and she always loved the medical industry so I was able to ask her like the, the real questions like what does this truly mean you know so I felt like that helped me make the great decisions and most of the nurses were really they knew who I was I made sure they uh, gave them a good time you know a didn't giving them a hard time so they mm-hmm. wouldn't be mad at me or avoid me um and the thing is is too and i know you guys probably realize this one from the, all the eating the, the, traumatic uh, life-changing things you've been through or even from your guests is that even though these things are horrible things that happen to you it gives you a wisdom and an expertise and like you said early expertise in something and i use that now to like i said if i have um Uh, because my friends are getting to the age where their parents are, they have to make these decisions for their parents. And so because I went through this with, my parents and my grandmother, I can kind of say, hey, look, I can't be tell you exactly what to do, but I'm gonna tell you what you need. You need to be an advocate for your parent or or your family your loved one. You need to do the research, you know. Like for instance, when my mom got sick, no, sorry, when my grandmother got sick, I actually went and got my um a home health aid um license just so I knew that when the nurses came in, what were they doing? Were they doing the right thing? You know, that's a two, three-week class. Like go take that class so that way if you see something, you can be able to witness that. That makes you just you know, and that's going to be anything. Just make yourself, if you went through something, use that expertise to help other people. And I feel that is what's going to make you feel better and help you cope with the grief because you're never going to get over it. Grief is grief. Like I know people who lost their parents 30 years ago and they still miss them, but they know how to cope with it a little bit better.
1: Sure. And I am super impressed, Patrice, that what I'm hearing from you is that when you need something you don't just sit there no. <laughs> you look for answers and look for ways you're you're to me that's living intentionally Indeed. It, it's not it's not letting life happen to you i i mean i i, I don't do this very often but i will deem you a decent fucking human before the end of the show you sound like you you sound you you've you've earned it already whoa whoa whoa. we're screwing
0: up the whole format now (laughs) Uh,
1: i'll repeat it at the end so that we can you know leave the way we always do but i'm impressed patrice it sounds to me like you've got a little bit of your grandma in you that you're at least you want to do things and make a difference and when shit hits the fan you've got two options right you can you can take the most control well you can control the things you can control is the way i should say that Uh or you can get covered in it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's, you know what? That's so true. Yes, exactly. You can either take cover and only get a little bit on you, or <laughs> yes. Yeah. You Thank you. I, I understand that. <laughs> my,
0: my therapist uses the uh, elephant and the rider uh, uh, story. I don't know if you're familiar, but no. that life is often like an elephant and we're like a rider. And the elephant does what the elephant does, right? You 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 can't make the elephant go where you want the elephant to go, but you can learn what the elephant likes and you can learn to work with the elephant and to get the elephant to want to do the things that maybe you want to do, but you can't just get on the elephant and tell the elephant what to do.
2: Yes. Yeah. And I often
0: picture that in my head in stories yes.
1: like
2: this. Yeah. That's a, yeah, that's true. Like you got to eat. Yeah. <laughs> I like that <laughs> analogy. And.
1: <laughs> um, Therapy is, is the thing that gives you a lot of the tools to be able to do that. And if I recall correctly, correctly, you, did you go through therapy after, okay, can you tell us a little bit about that experience?
2: Um, actually I still go through therapy. I've always been an advocate for therapy, um, being, um, um, I have always, um, I actually went to therapy as a kid, you know, um, just for different reasons and, um, like now I am a big advocate of therapy. I go to my therapist two week, every two weeks or every month, depending on what's going on in life. And um, I did go through, uh, I didn't go through it right after my mom had passed. Like I said, I was, at that point, I was so tired and just drained that I couldn't even get out of bed. I didn't work for like, it had been like six months I couldn't work. Um, I had laid in the bed so much that I was starting to lose definition in my leg. I could barely like, I could walk, but it just was very weak. Um and so finally I just said after being like just down I went to I moved to Georgia and that's when I got my got back to therapy again and that helped me kind of like grieve I didn't even know I had lost like four years I haven't been in the fall for like four years and um but yeah that the therapy is lost you got to therapy I know everybody doesn't think they have to go but at least try it at least once.
1: Uh, Yes, we are huge advocates. Yeah. We we have shirts that say "Get a fucking therapist" that we yeah. sell on the website.
2: Yeah, I need to, um, I need to go to the website and get that because <laughs> I want to sell I
1: mean,
0: that to everybody. <laughs> maybe we should get some yeah. bumper stickers with that too.
1: Yeah, we Cause... we need it in coffee mugs, whatever. <laughs> I I think that yeah. that's the thing that we yeah we need to do that. But I I wanted to jump it. Well, before I say what i was going to say it sounds amazing childhood therapy the fact that you had a parent or parents that supported therapy for you as a child sounds pretty incredible was there was it something that was their idea or recommended by educators or a doctor or how did that happen um
2: you know what i don't know actually what prompted it to be honest. I will say I've always been um a chubby person my whole life and um so you know being a chubby person in school you're gonna get bullied. So of course I would probably come I, I, I don't remember that time. I just know that I did go to therapy and um I think it was just like just to talk. You know, that's the one thing about therapy is that one, a therapist is, is biased. They they have no what they say, no dog in the hunt or something. So mm-hmm. They can, they're going to do that. That's one thing. And two, like, even now, like, you can go to your therapist and you can say the most outlandish things, um, the most craziest thing to come in your brain. And guess what they cannot do? Tell anybody else. Like, <laughs> like, even if I just, I don't mind just saying sometimes I am literally paying my therapist just that I, so that I can, and I hope I can say, this, I know you say fucking, so, so I can just bitch them on and just be <laughs> and complain and I don't have anybody who's going to truly, I mean, she may be judging me, but she doesn't show it. I um, <laughs> can't tell anybody. And guess what she's going to do? She's going to give me some techniques and tips to get over it or get through it or whatever I need to do. So that's why I have a therapist. <laughs>
0: the yeah. I pay to yep. keep
2: my business.
1: <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. And one of the things that I've said or recognized, I don't know if I've said on the show, I've talked about it with other people, but sometimes when you need a therapist most is the hardest time to get it because Uh when you're depressed, you don't have the energy, you don't have the desire, the will, uh, the inertia of laying in bed, which brings me back to the other thing that I wanted to say or ask. You said that. You lost definition from, I I, I don't want to jump past this. I, I'm not sure the exact words you said, but you lost muscle from laying in bed or not moving because you were depressed. Did I hear that correctly? Yeah.
2: Yeah. I would lay in bed and just lay there and just watch TV and not just numbly watch TV. Like I would only get out the bed to shower and maybe get, get something to eat. If that, you know, and, um I would just lay there like literally numb and almost uh just I don't remember watch I know I was watching tv but I don't remember I could never probably remember what I was watching or none of that and I think the only reason I got out of bed um and that's going back to like what I first said was that only time I would get out of bed was when I had to take care of uh projects for my clients like that was it. Like I knew I had these projects and I was accountable to these people. They were paying me money. So I was able to, you know, just not work like work like go to a nine to five corporate job for six months because I got little projects that I would be able to that was it. And even then I was just sitting at a computer. Like I wasn't going for walks. Sure. I wasn't going out to hang with friends. I wasn't doing none of that. So my legs were very weak. Um and when I did go back to work, I could barely I could walk couldn't walk distances at all. Um and yeah, that was it. And it took my cousin saying like, look, I know you're going through, but is this what your mother really <laughs> wants you to be doing? Like, is this what the legacy that you want her like to live for her life, you know, leave for her life? And that's what kind of got me out of the bed to say, okay, you're right. I need to do something different. And that's when I started kind of getting back to a little bit of normal. But even then, I still wasn't me, but I was able to get out of the bed and go back to work.
1: <laughs> Was that at the end of the four years? Because you said four years.
2: Well, passed. okay. Well, well, this was really. This was probably about about three or four months, maybe five months after she had passed. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. So she, what she did was she told me that, and then that next, maybe within a couple of weeks, we end up going to uh, Georgia. Um, Just to visit her family. And I loved it. That got me back to being around mm-hmm. family and, you know, just having fun in that sunny area, you know, and so that got me back. And when I came back, I did go back to work. Um, And then um, I ended up moving and then I was just, I was just, then I became like a workaholic. I just kept like pouring into work and working overtime and doing all these different projects to avoid my grief. And um, then it got to a point where I just didn't leave my house again. I was walking around and getting exercise and stuff, but really not really leaving my house. And then I just was like, you know what, something's different. And I got a lease renewal. And I said, you know what, I'm not renewing this lease. I'm moving to Georgia. And I moved to Macon, Georgia, where nobody was there, just me. And I spent, you know, went there and figured out who I was again. And I remember talking to my therapist for the first time, two uh, sessions, and I was like, yeah, my mom's been you well, here four years. She was like, well, no, I thought you said she died in this year. And I was like, yeah, she's like, well, that's seven years. And I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I had lost <laughs> this period of time. Like, I had been numb for this period of time, and I was like, oh, my gosh. Um, I didn't even notice that. You know, um, that's
1: how that happened. <laughs> that, yeah, I, that sounds sounds awful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you're doing well now though. Can you guess yeah. what, what what's going on? What are you doing today?
2: Okay. <laughs> okay, so what I like you said I am doing well. I'm back came back to Cleveland, Ohio because I did okay. miss my family and friends, so I came on back home and um what look okay, and now I'm got my virtual assistant business, Savvy Professionals is back in business. We're doing good. We got awesome clients who are selling and being very successful. Um, I am thinking about I used to have a podcast, I don't know if I told you about years ago and I'm actually thinking about bringing that back um,
1: Bring it back yeah. Yeah. Right.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: you've, got, you've got two new subscribers right here if you do okay. if
2: you... <laughs> Cool, cool, I am thinking, of that. thinking about bringing back the Miss Savvy Pro Show and I'm actually going to work on a book project that's going to, uh, I didn't mean to say that but you know, okay, a book project coming in November oh <laughs> exclusive <laughs> <Yes>. right here <laughs> oh, was, Yes, so Oh, um, yeah. working on something with a client now. So I want to finish that up. And then I am going to be releasing that in November. Um, I, um A book called Finding My Joy. And um, nice. I'll do that. Yeah. And then um, I actually now I actually live with my sister. I've been living alone by myself, this single woman, no kids, no husband. And now I live with my sister and my sister has five kids. Okay. And oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, and I love them. It, they have—they are bringing me so much joy. Like your little one back there <laughs> is bringing me so much joy. And um, it's funny. I was like, you know, um, just this quick thing that I was surprised about is that, like I said, I've been living alone, and sometimes the kids and my little sister—they congregate in my bedroom and they lay on my bed, and it just brings me so much joy. They know—I don't, don't know how much they realize how much they have brightened my life. You know, so it was the thing I didn't know I needed, it and I did so. Yeah, that's what that's I'm looking amazing.
1: <laughs> that, that's amazing. And when you said that it's something you didn't know you needed, I remember just the first time my sister, who had always said she was never going to have kids, and she sent me and our brother a text that said, I'm having, you're going to be uncles. She's due on this date. Her name is this. And that, was such a life-changing thing for something that I never knew that I wanted and it was also the moment it was also the moment that I actually realized that when people say well I don't care if it's a boy or a girl I just want them to be healthy or happy that they're telling the truth truth. because that was all I ever wanted from the moment that I got that text until you know she's 10 years old today and I'm probably going to go see her and I've got I've got four nieces and nephews myself, and they're just awesome. And Dan's like you just said, his little one, uh, mm-hmm. although although you're helping out with five and Dan's over there struggling this morning with one.
0: Well, there's a puppy, too. <laughs>
2: right. <laughs> right. And I didn't say I was
1: helping because I was told oh. yesterday that I was spoiling them and I needed to stop. OK. <laughs> oh, OK. OK. Well, and, and, in, and in fairness, Dan is also recording a podcast, right? Yes,
0: <laughs> <exactly>. <laughs> yeah. So oh. I, I didn't mean like really struggling, but what? What? multitasking is what I was getting at. Dealing with Scott has been the only thing I've really struggled with this morning.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, Scott's technology. It's been ma- mainly Scott's technology. I hate looking at this little uh, camera on my phone. For some reason, my beard looks, it's a mess. Patrice, I'm sorry I didn't trim it for you this morning.
2: No, listen, you were fine. <laughs> I am not. Neither of it. us are here. We're. I'm not coming here for a beauty contest. We're coming here to talk
0: about. Well, if you were, you've won. Congratulations.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, Patrice, it's been great this morning. I'm so impressed with you and your family, and uh, specifically Grandma, Mom. <laughs> Is there any last thing that you'd kind of like to say about grief or mental health or, or or your businesses? Is is there one last thing you'd like to get out for our audience? Okay. Great things, but it's really fast. One. Sure.
2: If you want to find me, I am miss Savvy pro on all the platforms, just look for that and DM me and I'll tell you everything. But um, the one thing I want to say about grief um, is that don't let anyone tell you how to grieve or how to cope or what to grieve over. Like I said, If you lose your favorite pencil, that was your favorite pencil. People don't know what your purpose was, what your dreams or vision was going to be with that pencil. Do it. It's selfish and you'd be okay with it. Don't, who cares? You learn how to cope and if you accidentally mess with some relationships, if they were truly good people to you or decent fucking humans to you, then guess what? You will be able to repair that relationship. Period. And Thank you guys for letting me. This has been an amazing, amazing conversation. <laughs> I had a great time. And this is the way you start off a morning.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Listeners, terrible listeners, listen to Patrice. The way you want to start off a morning is by being on the show. Yes. You can do that by sending us an email at podcast at positively or contacting us over social media. Facebook, Instagram, we are at positively terrible and I never do this, but I am actually going to beg people to, to follow, not beg. Wow. That sounds desperate, but to ask people to follow because giving people a call to action to action is what we need to do. I've been, I've, I've been reading. Okay. I've been on, I, I'm trying to grow this thing. Calls to action, follow us, like, subscribe, ring the bell, everything they tell you to do. But, uh, No more promoting for me. I just want to say, Patrice, you've been a wonderful guest. I am super impressed with you, your insights and your willingness to take actions, even if there was a time when you you struggled with that a bit. That is allowed. There's no wrong way to grieve. And I agree with that wholeheartedly. And I say this almost every week, and I don't say it for any other reason than it's true. Patrice, you are a decent fucking human. I've loved our time together. I'm honored and humbled and grateful. And every other word that you can think of that I can't think of right now uh, (laughs) that you're willing to share your story. And it was just a wonderful time this morning. I do agree. This is a great way to spend an hour early in the morning. So Patrice, Thanks for coming on. Appreciate it so much. And as always, this has been absolutely, positively terrible.
0: I met you back a
2: Positively Terrible is a part of the Terrible Podcast Network.